Welcome back, everyone, to Between the Lines. We are thrilled to kick off the second half of Season 3 with the highly anticipated conclusion of my interview with Felicia. But before we delve right in, let's take a moment to refresh our memories with a snippet from the tail end of Part 1. Trust me when I say you won't want to miss a single second of this fascinating conversation. <laughs> All, right. All right, I'm feeling accomplished now. <laughs> what are the benefits and challenges, for that matter, with self-publishing a book of poetry? When I chose my route of author subsidized publishing, it was for the favor of owning the rights of my work, along with full monetary reward of what sells of my poetry. Whereas in yeah, it's starting to sound like a city folk there. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, with normally from what I've heard from many people that have gone the traditional publishing route, they've lost their control over their own artistry. And suddenly the credit is going to the publishing agency. And I don't think that's fair for an artist, especially because art in itself is really hard to make it into the world as an artist to begin with. And I don't see there being a benefit from someone else owning the rights to my work and benefiting off of it when it's my vulnerability to begin with to share these pieces of my own that came from me and suddenly having someone else get credited for it, even through monetary gain. So I feel I chose author subsidizing. Another reason, well, another challenge that would be for going the self-publishing route would obviously be the marketing aspect. With a traditional publishing industry, obviously there's a greater capacity. Sorry. That's okay. Of visibility, right? There's more visibility when you're going through traditional publishing, whereas uh, with self-publishing, it's mainly on your own to make yourself be known in whoever capacity you can reach. And so, for instance, with big retailer bookstores, they're not just going to automatically have your book in store, whereas traditional publishing is more accessible to do that. I have to do a great portion of work to get my book on the shelves of stores, which take a lot of time and effort. As those who are listening in that knows this complication, <laughs> we definitely feel that in the depths themselves. <laughs> um and so I, I would say those are the challenges and the benefits of either or. But I, the main aspect as to why I chose to go the self-publishing route was because I want to own the rights of my work. I don't want my work to be stolen off of my heart, off of my soul. And it was greatly important to have full control over it. I can understand that. I don't know if this happens as much in... uh poetry uh, world but with uh, fiction and and other um, memoirs and whatever you send it into the publisher and they well we want this change we want that change we want this at what point does does that story stop being yours do you think that's a relevant statement with regards to poetry i think so too yeah. I mean, I've never, I've never uh, encountered the process of traditional publishing with poetry works. 
But I think that stays true to all forms of writing when you're going through a traditional publishing route. I feel that they will all of a sudden have full control over the way it's displayed interior-wise and even the exterior of your of your collection and or even the title of your book. I think the title is what concludes your pieces together. So for me, it's important for me to have the control to to harness that title um, and name it as so because it's what's concluding the pieces all together. But uh, I absolutely agree with your perception about that. In season two of Between the Lines episode, I want to say 14 or 15, I interviewed Katie O'Connor, who uh, is a, a romance novelist. Mm. And she handed her work over to a publishing firm who didn't like the uh, the main male character in the book. And, uh, you know, certain aspects, he gets along with children and, you know, and they demanded that she change this. And she said, no, you know what? I'm leaving you guys. And I, I, I applauded her for doing that. But, you know, I, and again, at what point does it stop being your work? Is it one sentence or is it a whole chapter or, you know, or even one word? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, courageous for her on her end to have done that because I think in our earlier years, when we decided to become a writer, we really strive to go into the traditional publishing route. And she was there, but then to all of a sudden reject it, I think is a big courage and applauding her as well, because that takes a lot of guts to do that. Absolutely. She, oh, she, she deserves to really showcase her story in full of what comes out of her. And, um, and that's something that I feel that traditional publishing kind of neglects is really having the author tell the full story. And that's the whole point of being an author and writers. It's coming from you. It's my story. I'm sorry. <laughs> Hello. Yeah. Um, no, that's, that's really good. Thank you. Of writing, publishing, or marketing, which do you struggle with the most? And I think oh, we've already touched on this a bit. Yes. But... Without a sweat, marketing. Absolutely. The pub, the writing's very uh, easy for me. Publishing was fun. Marketing is difficult. It's an ongoing one too, right? Marketing is not just in the, within the process of your publishing and writing. It's also the after effect. It's the post-publication process too. I feel it never will end. So with marketing would be definitely the hurdle for me as a newcomer of a of poetry and writing altogether as a Canadian writer. The market industry now is really hard to follow along with. It fluctuates so much. It's ever growing. And with, especially with platforms such as Instagram and other social media networks that takes a lead in marketing, it really alters the approach almost, I would say, in a month to month basis. It's always changing and it's really hard to follow along and how to best market yourself through the means of those platforms, especially as we were just talking about with traditional publishing, they have a greater capacity of visibility, which means that they have these partnerships with a lot of these marketing companies that are very well grounded and firm. So to mm -hmm. make your way through that as this little thin snake slithering your way through it is really difficult. Yeah. Marketing is really hard, especially with social media, but it's 
agonizing as it may seem, social media now is a new marketing form. And I find it very difficult to make my way as visibly as I can with it because then you get then you get kind of consumed by it as well in the process of doing so. And I don't want that. I don't want to be attached to these devices. I want to be free as heck. Mm. Also with uh, social media and using that as a marketing ploy, um, you're going to get uh, almost instantaneous feedback, be it good or bad. Mm -hmm. And is that really the means by which you want to receive this? Right. That's a really good thing to bring up here. Um, yeah, I feel sometimes that the feedback you receive, you don't necessarily mean in that moment. It, it doesn't actually belong to you. It belongs to the person that's speaking about those criticisms or those compliments. So that's a really good thing to bring out because it can actually, it can actually slow yourself down too with marketing and, and also creating more works of art, more works of poetry, I feel. <laughs> Uh, so that's actually a really good thing to bring out. Very observant of you to to go to that depth. Um, I, I I bring this up in almost every interview that I do with regards to uh, social media because a lot of people post freely their thoughts or their their poetry or portions thereof of their story for people to make comments and whatnot, and. Um, or they, they, oh, I submitted another content to another contest and I got my rejection letter and, uh, and they, and they take it so personally. And I keep trying to remind them that, listen, just because they said not for us or whatever the rejection letter says, just keep in mind that that person who said not for us today, they might have had a bad day or it triggered something in them or, it just didn't fit with with, with uh, whatever their publishing house or a contest is is looking for. It's not a personal attack, but people have to take it personally. Absolutely, it's interesting that you say that because I just remembered something. I think because I'm really used to being encountered by instant comments with my generation with social media. It automatically makes me. Um, like, for instance, as an author who has a published book, I'm always looking on Google <laughs> to see where, what's happening, what are the reviews about it so far. And then I read reviews of other authors that I know about. And when I read criticism of a favorite author of mine or something, I'm thinking, dang, like, I mean, that's a good point to bring up. But does that make me feel ever more unintelligent to the reasons as to why I love this author because maybe they're considered mediocre of writers I don't know and then it really gets to me of even the acceptance of what I like to read mm -hmm. uh, let alone write and so that's a really good thing to bring up because um, we're really caught up in the the instant comments but it's not belonging to us it's belonging to those people and uh, yeah I love that uh, I love that reflection to be known, even to hear it myself, as you said it. And as I'm saying, it, it's just a recurring uh, recognition of knowing that, you know, you shouldn't have to, it shouldn't have to engage in your work as well. I mean, criticism, is, yes, is accepted, but it shouldn't dissuade you from your writing. You should just continue writing. 
Is there any criticism, positive or negative, that is not beneficial to the writer? Um, I think depending on the type of criticism, I think I like constructive criticism. Absolutely. I love const- uh, constructive criticism. It can really help a writer evolve and kind of look at a different way of how they can introduce a new way of writing or not necessarily way, way of writing, but um, a way to dig deeper in certain areas of their writing. Whereas other criticisms that fault the ability of a writer, I feel is where it's not necessarily necessary. Instead, you can make a criticism and say, this is a way that they can improve or this is a way that they can do this or do that. But that that's my take on that. Well, that's fair enough. So I, I have most of my life, 40 years now plus, I've been predominantly a writer of poetry. In the last few years, uh, since joining a couple of different uh, writing groups on Facebook um, and, you know, finding different contests, free contests, uh, for example, uh, what is, uh, uh, what's it called now? Furious Fiction out of Australia. Um, there, they, it was a flash fiction, 500 words, uh, for 500, uh, uh, Australian dollars, uh, but you have to write it in 55 hours. Oh. Okay. And they would, they would give you the, this has to appear in the story, this has to appear in the story, and at least these words have to appear in the story somewhere. So they give you the parameters and set it, and then they send you on your way, and then you, the, the, you know, you go to the website and the clock is ticking down and, so, um, I, I, I think I wrote a lot of good stories for that. And, and I did, I did that for almost two years. Mm-hmm. Um, and then that prompted me to start writing other stories on my own. My point is, is that when I didn't win the contest, I didn't make the short list and I didn't make the long list. I still didn't feel rejected. I felt that, okay. This didn't fit for what they were looking for. I'm okay with that. And instead of uh, going roundabout in another way to get, I've assembled them all these stories now, and I've assembled them um, in a a book that I'm going to be calling um, in not so many words, short stories under two thousand words. Mm. So I've taken what other people would say are rejections, and I'm turning into a, a positive for myself. Absolutely. And we need that mentality as writers. Absolutely. The on the ongoing ignition within us. I actually have a similar story. I um right after I announced the publication of my first book, I decided to join the CBC Poetry Prize contest. <laughs> and I did a very vulnerable piece about how I see my courage. And I put it out there. I was very happy about it. And then it was, it didn't make it to the shortlist or anything of that sort or even the lengthy list. But what I did, however, with that instead is that I introduced it to a second manuscript in my book because yep. it, that it fits with the other pieces. I feel that the joining of that piece in particular with the other pieces will reinforce a, a new type of thing that I have that will be a bit different from my first book. So I just, Absolutely. instead of taking that rejection, I just saw it as an opportunity of what I made and just putting it somewhere else, perhaps where it belongs to more. Perhaps. Um, the other thing about the, the question with regards to uh, criticism, negative or positive, 
is uh, first and foremost, I, I don't care if people like or dislike what I've written because that's just an opinion. That's theirs to own. What I'm after is how did what you read of mine make you feel, make you think, make you respond? Those are the things that I'm after. And I think every writer is after. Absolutely. It's, it's all interesting because, um, there'll be sometimes where I feel that insecurity of not being a, a, that good of a writer compared to other type of writers I look up to. However, I'm always reminding myself by experience of people that are connected to my work of how important it is just to unleash myself. Mm-hmm. However, however that's portrayed in a writing form is meant to be, and I shouldn't have to compare myself to the voices of others because we each have a different voice to share. And that's that. Uh, and that's, that's another thing too, is because you know what? Nobody else might be able to say what you say about what you're saying than you, right? It's you give that same thought process to somebody else. They're going to come up with something totally different. And that's what makes us as writers unique and important. Because mm-hmm. we all have our own voice. We do. There's your object lesson for the day, folks. Um. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to go into part two now, uh, which I call shameless plugging, and I'm not going to apologize for it because this is part and parcel of why we're doing what we're doing here today, is to introduce you to authors you may have never even considered picking up anything that they've written. And so they come on, we talk, shop, and then I, I let them present where you can find anything that they've done. So with that being said, Felicia, what books do you currently have on the market and where can we find them? Uh, the book that I have currently is called One Words Flow. And it is a collection of both poetry and just prose notes involved in it to help inspire the reader to motivate their everyday living situation. If they find themselves in a bit of a icky situation mentally, this is a way just to promote yourself, just to open up to a random page and read it and may it propel you in your day. So it could be found anywhere online in, in the e-commerce database. Uh, pretty much every store retailer has it, big and small. However, the very few places you can get the book physically in hand in store would be um, Mermaid's Tales in Tofino, BC, The Power of Three and Mobius in Port Alberni, BC. What else am I missing? There's another one in Ontario, uh, in Orangeville, Ontario. I don't know why I'm forgetting the name of it. I used to go to it all the time as a child. And also the main yoga studio I teach at in Orange, that I used to teach at in Orangeville, Ontario, uh, called Go Yoga sells my book as well in the retail section. And they have a really big retail section. So these are areas, and I know that there's some other areas between the states and Canada that sells my book in store, but I don't know who they are yet. Um, I just noticed in my um, distribution catalog that a a place has been selling, buying wholesale so 
I don't know who those stores are, but thank you. Thank you for buying my book and getting on your store. That's great. <laughs> that is great. That's awesome. Yeah. So uh, those are the areas, but mainly you could do it online rather Amazon, but listen, let's not fully support Amazon right now. Okay. We need these small businesses to thrive, especially after COVID. So try to go to your local bookstore and see if they have it in their database or just simply request for the book to have uh, delivered to you. There you have it. If you had, are you currently working on anything? And if so, how close to completion is it? So it's actually quite a fun thing. During the publishing of my first book, I was already writing a bunch of poetry forms. And there were little pieces and some lengthier pieces. And only now did I decide to start weaving them together into a document to send out to the publishing press that I'm through. And uh, so who knows what is going to flourish. It all dependent also on finances, of course. Of course. Of course. As a, as a author subsidized publishing and or fully self-publishing, it's all through your own money. So I have to find a way to accumulate enough finances to help support the publishing process. So there's that. Uh, it is going to be a similar type of uh, poetry collection, also to help inspire the reader. It's supposed to be a motivator. However, this will include more heartbreak. It's going to delve deep into the consciousness of the heart. So um, and affiliated with the the uh, practice of Diana, which in yogic practice, it's meditation. So it's going to be about the meditational experience. So that's deep. That's deep. Uh, and however, in the time to come, I used to write the story, very specifically the story about young, naive, delinquent young adults going on a whim to do something to find <laughs> themselves. <laughs> It's very West Coast style, and I've been wanting to write it since I was 19. I, I actually started writing it when I was 19. And so I would also like to dab into fictional writing and actually publish a fish, fictional novel. I think that's something that I've always wanted to do. And the more confidence I gain with sharing my poetry pieces will give me the courage to do that as well, I feel. On that note, would you ever collaborate with anybody on a fictional piece? Oh, to make it easier for you to learn as you go? That's a really good question. I'm not too certain. I feel artistically I have a very specific visual of art to mind, and I really want to succeed that visual that I have to mind. So, for instance, with my book, I really wanted just simple things detail-wise. My book is this um, kind of turquoise blue colors, a very particular shade that I wanted and when we got the the um, the book Oof. cover designer to do it, at first there was an, a previous one, and he wasn't achieving what I wanted. And as as hard and critical as I may have seemed, I had a very specific claim to mine, and I wanted to achieve it. So I had to go through another designer to help get this very specific blue and it makes me seem very anal but <laughs> no no it's your book you want it the way you want it i have an image to mind and i want to succeed that so for me i don't know if my specific aims will get in the way of collaboration 
but I do like to collaborate with people to introduce me to new realms of thinking and abilities. So that's a good question. I may have to ponder upon that and maybe well, write it down. So you don't forget the question. So you can ponder it. Yeah. <laughs> if you're like me after this is done, it's gone. <laughs> okay. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, no, it's, uh, I, I think, so are you in my writing group? Canadian creative writers? No, I'm on Canada Writes. So I am I. How we were introduced in a way, I feel. So um, I, I invite you, if you're interested, to join Canadian creative writers. Okay. Um, we have less of what Canada Writes has in the way of um, complaining and, you know, all the negative stuff of Canada Writes. There's a lot of good stuff in Canada Writes, but there's a lot of negativity within we're not like that in our group. And there are many people from Canada Writes in Canadian Creative Writers. So you're more than welcome to to join if you'd so like. Ooh, beautiful. Thank you for the invite. Oh, you're very welcome. It's, it's a very relaxed um, community. Um, when the dream started to, to start my own uh, writing group on Facebook, it was born out of frustration with the uh, aforementioned uh, group that we're both part of. Um, and and they had banned one of my posts or whatever, and I saw no reason for it, and I got frustrated. So I started my own group. And uh, to this day, we're almost 1,400 members strong. Wow. So. Wow. I applaud you on that. Yeah, I it's interesting. I haven't, I, I'm not, I haven't been paying attention to the comments made on what's been posting on Canada Rights. But I must say, every person who are very distinctive than one to one another, I've been loving all that they write, that they've mm-hmm. been sharing. There's this one particular woman who shares her poetry a lot, and I just feel really connected to her writing. And I can't remember her name right now, but she's always popping up into my news feed. Mm-hmm. I find it to be really good. So it's 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 astonishing for me to hear that there's criticism, I guess, because I'm not looking into the comment sections, I'm just seeing the post. But I'm happy that you were able to create another platform where there's no criticism involved or negativity and just accepting and giving constructive feedback. So I, I think everybody in, in my group is of the same mindset that we are here to build each other up, not tear each other down. Absolutely. If you had to choose one of your books or poems uh, as a favorite, which one would it be? Mm. Well, I only have one book so far. Uh, (laughs) But um, as far as a favorite piece, that one's really difficult for me to choose because... Like choosing a favorite child or pet or... Very much so. And they all emphasize a certain intensity of emotion or perspective or revelation to me. So it's really hard. Um, but I do, the heartbreak pieces I've been recently writing have been closest to me right now because it's, it's a very a fresh feeling still. So I think that I'm a bit more connected to those right now, um, than the other pieces so far. Um, but then sometimes I'm reintroduced to my old pieces and I feel as if they're my favorites in that day or that week. Um, but it's always interchanging. I don't necessarily have a specific favorite. 
I recently heard or read or saw a quote that went something similar to, and I'm going to paraphrase it the best that I can, but um, my best piece of writing is what I just finished. I love that. Because it's very current. It's yeah. present. Mm-hmm. So, where can people connect with you? Facebook, email, snail mail, TikTok, Instagram. There's so many I could list here, but we'll, we'll just leave those there. Yeah. So definitely social media wise, I have Instagram, uh, as a typical millennial does. Uh, so it's underscore Felicia Pierce, F-E-L-E-C-I-A-K-E-A-R-S-E. And that's where you can find some pieces here and there and further description of those pieces uh, in this post, including also just things I introduce um, through the means of my writing, such as writing workshops as well. You can find all that stuff there. I also have a website called www.onewordsflow.com. You can also subscribe to my mailing list on there. Um, And then what else? I think that's it so far as platforms. you have an author page on Facebook? No, no. I, I stopped with the Facebook. I used to have okay. multiple groups and um, pages on Facebook, and I deleted them all. I just want to stick to one type of platform, and that's Instagram, because it seems to be doing best compared to Facebook for me personally. Well, was- you're young enough to have mastered TikTok. No, I actually don't do, I don't have a TikTok. I've never been infatuated to even join and make an account on there. So (laughs) yeah, it it doesn't interest me. I feel that platform wise with social media, Instagram is enough for me. Um, and I'm done (laughs) with, with the the social media aspect. Uh, but I think, I don't know if I have, yeah, I have a channel on YouTube actually. And it's just Felicia Kears that you can find me. I sometimes do my poetry performances videos on there, um, but I haven't been as avid with it lately. And uh, and then if you want to shoot me a message, you can do that through email. Uh, it's yogaonearthme at gmail.com is my email that you can contact. And uh, so if you have any constructive feedback, if you're able to have found my poetry pieces to give me, I'm more than welcome to receive them. If you feel a connection to a piece, feel free to share to me for which piece and why, because I love knowing that stuff. And if you just have a question in regards to my type of poetry and how I've accumulated to where I am now, I, you know, or just knowing each other in general, I'm always up for connection of any kind. Um, so yeah, those are the ways that you can find me. Fantastic. In season two, I interviewed um, Lisa Bornellis. She's out in North Vancouver. Mm. And she actually did a TED Talk. Oh. Yeah. So um, I don't know if you're aware of this or not, but uh, Between the Lines, which is what you're now on, also mm. has a YouTube channel. Um, and it's just the audio, not not video. It's just the audio from the interviews. And so you can hear her either, you know, where you hear podcasts or where you hear, you know, go to YouTube, but you can hear it either way. Mm-hmm. And, um, it's, she, uh, it was a really good talk and is something along the lines what you're trying to do with 
allowing people um, to see or experience a better them. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Did I yeah. say that right? Yes, absolutely. Actually, my writing workshop that I, I recently hosted, I'm going to introduce as a six-month program, is obviously I don't have the literary professionalism or credentials to be teaching English or literature. But this program is more specifically about finding your voice in general. Okay. And it's, 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 uh, there's three key categories that we go through. The first one is anchoring into your feelings and emotions in ways that you can do that to develop, you know, um, description for your writing. The second would be facing your hurdles. What are your hurdles and finding them and then getting a way to, um, combat them. The third one would be finding your inner voice, um, how to introduce yourself to you and reinforce this voice within you that needs to be heard and ways to do that. So these are the three main categories I do in order to just let the person recognize who they are and what is their voice to begin with. It's not necessarily about, you know, the constructive process of grammar and all those because those we know the revisement aspect is not till later on in our writing so for me i like to focus on what begins your writing in the first place trusting in your perception and this voice within and revealing that to yourself and being able to transmute that from inside to out so in a way as you're describing her that's a bit similar to what i do with my writing workshops could very well be maybe give her a listen um I don't know if this is going to change your opinion on, on why or if you should even be doing this podcast, but you're talking to a guy who's a high school dropout five times. Right. But yet I've managed to publish 10 books with an 11th on the way. I've got three other books that I'm working on, <clears throat> two podcasts. I, I blend spices, create hot sauces. What do you need education for? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think it's just merely um, a privilege to have education to begin with, but it doesn't necessarily mean that those who don't have the privilege to have education doesn't have the ability or professionalism to do what they want to do. I think I remember I was watching this YouTube channel, this interview, and it was a up and coming actress, and she by no means entered into the acting world where she, I can I can see her becoming big in the future. I truly do. I feel like she's going to be an Oscar-winning uh, performer in the industry. But she didn't begin by going to drama classes and then going to school for dramatic arts. She didn't go into Broadway, any of that. It came naturally to her. Her mom is a, was an ER nurse that would drive her hours between Hollywood and back just to go to casting um interviews and um and she made it just simply by trying her way through it and she by no means have any credentials behind her to push her forward her heart was pushing her forward into that art that she really likes to delve into i'm glad you used that word yeah uh, i feel that um the professionalism aspect comes with experience as well so the more you write such as yourself randy where you've writing 11 books and being able to bring this community together of writers, that is what's creating your professionalism is the experience of doing that in itself. And you learn as you go anyways. We learn as we go. 
Absolutely. I, my grammar is way better than it was years ago. <laughs> I, I think mine might be. I just can't see it. Right. <laughs> um, normally during question period, I ask the questions that uh, um, we went over, you know, and you selected or whatever. And there's always an eighth question that you don't know what's coming. And yeah. I didn't do it this time, but you just uh, gave me an opportunity to think of that eighth question. And I'm going to ask you now before we get you to read another poem. And that question is, can the education system teach the heart of writing? Ooh, that's a really good question. Um, I know. That, it's really hard for me to foresee how the institution is going to change. Um, I feel that the institution of education has been the same for, I would say, 100 years. Um, I would like to see it change to welcome the artistry of the heart uh, and I know that in some schooling systems, some boards do welcome in new programs such as um, uh, mindfulness. I think that's a good beginning to, to start with. Um, so maybe there could be potential for it to delve a bit deeper into the heart of the, of the subject. It's really hard to determine what the life is going to be like in the future. Heck, I don't even know what I'm going to do the next day. <laughs> I don't know where I'm going to be. Let's just finish this interview first before you start thinking about that. Yes, yes. <laughs> um, but I do know that certain types of new programs with schooling that is definitely implemented in other countries are welcoming more uh, different ways of approaching a child with education. So I know that in Costa Rica they have some, and I know that in certain European countries they have these school programs that are more um, more um, delving into, firstly, um, hands-on things, so learning more about um, gardening and farming um, and being outdoors and knowing more about the ecosystem, but more in a physical sense. And I do know that they're introducing... Uh, you know, we grew up with great with the grading system, and in these new school sectors, they're not doing a grading system per se, because they believe psychologically it actually trumps the child from having having the courage to keep on trying and trying to develop themselves in a grander way. So I feel it's it's hard because I I can't really foresee the future. I'm not a seer quite yet. Um, <laughs> <laughs> And but I would like to see that because with these new school uh, programs that are being introduced slowly, I would like to see that also be introduced to the whole of North America in every school system. And if that were to come true, I can see that flourishing the artists, the arts more, but coming from the heart rather than through a structural sense. I know. I went to a high school in Ontario uh, called Mayfield Secondary School. It was an arts program school. <clears throat> and the only way that for those who were outside of the um, the land perimeter would have to actually uh, apply to the arts program in order to make it into the school to begin with. Luckily, I actually was in that perimeter but uh regardless i grew up in a community of a school filled with arts and even then it seems like it was super institutionalized 
that it was more of a structural um a structural arts community rather than it was one of a heart like people would get very heavily criticized for their art pieces whether it was dramatic arts um visual arts music heavily heavily criticized and just witnessing that from my peers and made me realize that um I don't want to be affiliated with that type of arts community I want an arts community that really reinforces uh, the unleashing of your heart and the importance of that connection to your heart. And I didn't see that within my school as much as other people, I, I would say probably had different experience. Maybe they thrive off of that type of community of arts, but not me. And I feel that we need an arts community in schools that represents that and that alone as well, or a range of different ways of approaching art. So I would like to see it. I don't know if it's going to happen, but mm -hmm. I would like to have the hope that it would. Well, you know, hope is half the battle. It is. <laughs> I, uh, earlier this year, I had the brainstorm to uh, contact my local high school uh, in Ottawa, where I went to school, um, to, well, to get in touch with them to see if they'd be interested in receiving a donation of a copy of each of my books. Uh, as a, as a, you know, thank you for introducing me to poetry and, and here's a gift for your students that maybe have a dream and don't know how to pursue it. They refused it. Wow. What was their reasoning for the refusal? They didn't even respond. Wow. Crazy, eh? Wow. You know why? Cause they follow by a certain selection of works that they have to Followed by, so no, this was a donation to the their library in the school. Wow, weird. Uh huh. See, so where where is the education system going? Where is it going? For me, as with such an investigation uh, investigational mind, I would want to I would want a reason as to why they declined it or not even respond to it. Yeah. What is the reason? Here, where I live, we have a, a K to twelve school. Our grade four teachers, since my first book was published in 2013, she bought a copy and she reads it to her class every year uh -huh. for two reasons. One, because it's an introduction to poetry and two, because I'm a local author who followed his dream and finally was able to publish a book. And she wants to get it through to these children's minds that, you know what, if you have it in you to dream, you have it in you to succeed. Mm hmm. Absolutely. And, wow. and, and that's what I was trying to give back to, you know, my school. And I'm, I'm okay with their decision, but uh, they're lost, not mine. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> it just, it kind of cripples your hope for the institution when you hear stories like that. But, um, well, what's that giving back or paying for moving it forward or whatever? You know, those little cliches, right? Like, you know. You want to give back to, you know, your roots. That's yeah. all I was trying to do. I wasn't trying to sell them anything. Yeah. Anyway, about <laughs> me. Uh, can you share one final poem with us? Sure. Uh, so this one I would consider to be more of a quote, but it's rhythmic in a way that it could be um, pointed as poetry. Um, so this is about... Again, courage. This was about, as we're speaking about courage, this is about courage. Again, it's just, it's keying out to every subject that we're talking prior. 
Um, so this was about at times when you feel yourself kind of stumbled by something in life or feeling not big enough to do something. This was a reminder for myself to feel grand and big in any way that I can and know that I have the opportunity to do so as long as I actually have the courage in my heart to do it. So this is also a very short piece. Um, it's meant to be a motivational quote, um, but again, rhythmic in a way where it could be considered poetry. Stand firmly on where your roots stake deeply in. Have the weight of your aim sink them deeper. No matter how small you may seem to feel. No matter how fearful it may seem to be. Because what surrounds you was made for you. Was made for you to stand firmly with. Yet again, we go deep. (laughs) (laughs) Well, what's been the feedback with regards to that poem? That one, um, I, a lot of the ones that are very similar to this one have been getting really good feedback, mostly with a demographic that's younger than I, which is actually interesting because I actually, um, when you're creating your avatar reader, I was hoping to connect with the younger versions of me, okay. you know, because uh, at that time I was much younger and I wanted to connect with people that are there at that moment of their life. And it happens to be a younger age. Um, so I want to reach into the hearts of those type of individuals. And I've been getting really good respond response to those type of that type of demographic. Um, most of them are kind of young gals just trying to backpack their way between the border, um, the borders between uh, Canada and the U.S. And uh, they found it very helpful to give them that motivational push to keep on going because as it especially for myself I've backpacked and as a young woman backpacking and not knowing where you're going it could be um it could be dangerous firstly (laughs) but secondly it could be um sometimes you can feel yourself defeated and it was kind of a and that's when that was created actually I was backpacking for two months through BC, I'm originally from Ontario, and I I went solo by myself with only fourteen hundred dollars to my name. Two months backpacking and traveling, and um, I felt defeated many times, and I wanted to give up sometimes because there would be a moment where I couldn't make it to the hostel. So because it was fully booked, so I would sleep underneath a bench or go in the middle of the woods and kind of just find my way to sleep in some way, shape, or form. So it was really hard, really rough. And um, that's when this piece came to birth because I had to remind myself that, you know, this is an opportunity for me to feel the strength of who I am. And I want to meet the hearts of those who respond to that very message. And it's been receiving really good messages from younger people who are currently backpacking, which is so interesting because that's when it was developed. So I find that to be quite beautiful. But also, actually, what's interesting is that it seems a demographic that's feeling really called is not only the the youth, but also uh, middle-aged women, believe it or not. So it seems to be those two types of demographics are the main readers of my book. Wonderful. Um, and who can understand middle-aged women, really? I mean, I'm kidding. <laughs> I happen to know and be friends with a lot of them. So 
I do have another question for you, actually, if you don't mind. Absolutely. Earlier, I asked you, who do you write for? Mm-hmm. Now, the that I wanted to ask this then, but I'm going to ask it now, though, is what do you write for? What do I write for? Do you write for fame? Do you write for success? Or do you write for just to get it out of you? Or Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I more of a unleash for myself because I never really say unleash because I feel it's the best descriptive word to use for myself. But especially with one word's flow, all those pieces I wrote were between the, uh, the years of 2016 to 2020. So there are times of things I went through and I want to write down for myself to see and motivate myself to go through those processes, those really icky moments. And, uh, so that's what I was writing for. I was writing for a way for me to keep going. I was writing for myself to motivate, to have the strength to persevere. So love is about resiliency and perseverance. And then mainly of trust, trust to let go and surrender to these moments and go forward. And to see that more tangibly in words for me, um, helps me to look back on those and continue on with that motion. It wasn't until obviously the more I started sharing my pieces that I began to just decide to put those page to page into a book to help motivate the readers in the same way. Um, whoever it is that connects with them. Absolutely. That's, that's, uh, by the way, you just gave me a title for your next book. Oh yeah. Yeah. A woman unleashed. A woman unleashed. I like that. Well, you've used Unleashed three times now in our yeah. conversation. For some reason, it keeps feeling like I need to say it. Well, and, and maybe this was the reason why. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> Write that down, too. <laughs> and in closing, um, what would you tell anyone who might be too afraid to take the chance on being published, whether self or traditional? I would first ask them, where is their fear stemming from? And if their belief is truly supporting that fear, if you were to think of the core of yourself, the core belief within yourself, is it truly supporting that fear? I would first ask them a question. And I say this because I, I'm I'm a Gemini, so I, I, I always ask questions. I'm bringing... How, how much of a Gemini are you? I have... My son is Gemini, and my rising is Gemini. So I'm I have, a Gemini. You're a Gemini. You know what's interesting is that a lot of writers and therapists and and uh, also dramatic arts are happen to be a lot of Gemini's. But well, Clint Eastwood is. Oh, he is. Oh, he's a great. Yeah. Okay. And uh, actually, Clint Eastwood and I share the same birthday. Oh wow. Okay. <laughs> Marilyn Monroe and myself share the same birthday, so. <laughs> well, it's not the same day as mine, then. <laughs> that's, um, that's fantastic. Yeah, so I, I'm very inquisitive, so I would ask them a question first. If they were here in person with me, I would ask them that question. Then I would share that the importance of bringing art and poetry into such a public direction is to birth this intimate connection from those near and far, from young to age. And it's about weaving those parts of yourself that you're giving away to the similar parts of those within those other people to help bring that resonation, to bring that deeper connection in the, in a soul level. So 
I would say that to them. This is, this is sometimes sharing it is beyond you. Absolutely. You know, the writing aspect is coming from you and that's a way to connect with you, but the actual public, the, yeah, for it to be more public is more about being something beyond yourself. And that's what I would say to them. I think that's, uh, that's some solid advice. Felicia, this has been, well, it's been fun and it's been very informative. And I just want to, I want to say thank you again for uh, your willingness to come and be a part of this show. And um, yeah, thank you. It, it's been great. I had a swell of a time. I'm happy to have joined along and for you to have accepted me here. And uh, it feels really comforting to just be in this conversation with you. And I really enjoyed it. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of Between the Lines. We hope you enjoyed our discussion and were inspired to either start writing or to keep on writing. If you have any comments, questions, or suggestions for future episodes or guests, you can reach out to us by sending an email to randy.btlpodcast at gmail.com use comment or suggestion in the subject line. For a copy of the transcript of this or any other episode, just send us an email using transcript as the subject line and indicate which season and episode you would like a transcript for. Visit my website, therandylacy.ca, where you can purchase one of my books, read my blog, and yes, even hear every episode of this podcast. If you have enjoyed what you've heard and would like to hear more, click the Buy Me a Coffee button at the top right corner of the page to help cover the costs associated with keeping this show available to you. If you're ever feeling overwhelmed by the many lines in your life, take a deep breath and remember the wise words of Winnie the Pooh. Sometimes the smallest things take up the most room in your heart. Until next time, keep on keeping Between the Lines.